Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Luke chapter 4, verses 5. One, two, three, let's go. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the Bible says, next verse, And the devil said unto him, All this power I will what? I will give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. Give me the Amplified. Then the devil took him up to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the habitable world in a moment of time. That was in a twinkling of an eye. And the Bible says, and he said unto him, to you will I give all this power and authority and their glory, all their magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, and grace. You see that? Magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, and grace. For it has been turned over to me, and I will give it to whomever I will. And the next verse says, Therefore, if you'll do homage to and worship me just once, it shall all be yours. And the Bible says, And Jesus replied to him, Get behind me, Satan. It is written, You shall do homage to worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Somebody say, Amen. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Let me begin this way. I remember many years ago, I made a statement. I told the saints, then I told them, the three temptations that Jesus Christ faces in the wilderness have a ripple effect on the testations of every child of God if you're to transition from the first dimension of the spirit into the second and the rest of the dimensions to come. Jesus spent about 30 years in one dimension. Not because he was weak, not because he did not have the ability, but because there was a necessity for him to teach us something. The Bible says the things that were forewritten were written for your learning, that through comfort and patience of scriptures you might obtain hope. Jesus became what he had to become because he was paying a certain price for men. Otherwise, Jesus was 100% God. But he walked in this body, and the Bible says that he humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant and came in the likeness of a man. And then he makes up his mind to grow up in the same way normal people grow. It doesn't mean he did not have the ability to become God next morning. He was just humble enough to minister something to you and I. Say amen. amen. Are we together? Now, the first temptation many of you remember was, he tells him, turn these stones into bread. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Because the catch here was the devil wanted Jesus to turn stones into bread. Well, figuratively speaking, the back end of this was that he wanted 
him to turn the law into the message. I can explain that because the law was written on tablets of stone. I've explained that a lot for some of you who want to know. And he tells a man shall not live by bread alone. In other words, it's not only the law, but by every word. Because you have to transition from one covenant into the next. Somebody say amen. amen. But I explained deeper to explain why the law had to be written on tablets of stone and what it meant to turn stones into bread. You understand? Now I want to go into the next one. Bible says after Jesus beat that in a twinkling of an eye, he was taken up to a what? A mountain. And up that mountain, the devil tells him, look at all these kingdoms of this world. And he tells, they have been handed over to me. I can give them to you if you worship me. Praise God. And I love how the devil says it. Because he exposed a very important experience that many Christians ought to know. He says, all this power I will give thee and the glory of them. That means that these kingdoms of the world have power and they have glory. At least they have a definition of power and they have a definition of glory. He says, I will give unto you, just worship me once. For they have been handed over to me. Praise God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. My point was then, I needed to make us understand one of the most important lessons for every child of God. The world, it doesn't matter how far and advanced it is, it is organized in the principle of kingdoms. Even in the next 100 years to come, the world is organized under the principle of kingdoms. You have heard of this talk, the sovereignty of nations, the freedom that they carry, and that unalienable right, whatever you want to call it, to exercise whatever they feel they have to do because they have the right to be a nation and a people because they've been put under a particular boundary X or territory Y. But I need to tell you, even those nations that seem like have sovereignty to them in one or another, directly or indirectly, ascribe to a kingdom if they are not a kingdom themselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? They directly or indirectly ascribe to a kingdom if they are not a kingdom themselves. It was why you've seen different wars written in the history of our world. All of these wars were just seeking to conquer more territory and extend kingdoms. That is why in the end time, Revelation, you realize that, again, God defines the joining of these nations together, each as a kingdom. You understand? They become kingdoms again. So, yes, there was a time when they did it under the face of colonialism. And that time passed. And some of you, of course, know all kinds of colonialisms, neo-colonialism, and many other colonialisms. If you're a political scientist, you understand what I'm saying. But whether you want it or not, the world is classified into kingdoms. Somebody say amen. amen. Some kingdoms are bigger than others. Others are weaker than others. Others pay homage to others. Directly or indirectly. The Bible says, I'll just give you an example. That he that borroweth is a servant to the lender. When a nation borrows from another nation, 
It doesn't matter if it calls itself a sovereign state. It is to a certain degree subject to the one which has lent it. Because it's a principle that is equated to the integrity of truth. And the integrity of truth says that he that borroweth is a servant to the lender. Whether you want it or not. That nation, in a way, subscribes and pays homage or worships the other. Are we together? Because that's the principle. You realize that even some of the most developed nations in the world, like England, they still have a monarchical lineage. In many countries in the world, Saudi Arabia, wherever, go in Asia, quite a number of them, there's still something they ascribe to. The Chinese dragon is not just a dragon, it's a kingdom. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? So whether you want it or not, as your eyes continue to open, you realize that the world has been classified in kingdoms. Somebody say amen. amen. And that is important. Now the other point I need to make for you before I go deep. Before Israel formed a kingdom, some kingdoms existed. I want you to note that. First Samuel chapter 8. Begin from probably verse 4. The Bible says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thine ways. Now there's a someone there. Now make us a what? Read again. Make us a what? A king. Uh-huh. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. In other words, other nations had kingdoms, but Israel did not. Are we together? That means kingdoms were already existed when the devil fell on the earth and he inherited the earth. He realized that he cannot fully rule it unless to classify it into. So kingdoms existed. You understand? So when they come to him and tell him that make us a kingdom too, there was a problem. Because until that time, God had refused to put kingdoms of men under the children of Israel. He had intended to be their king. I we together. He said, let everyone have kings, but for me, I am your what? Your king. But you see, many of us ask ourselves, or should ask ourselves the ultimate question, why did God first refuse to make us, or his people, the children of Israel, a kingdom of the world? Praise the Lord. The mind of God intends to relate with a new creature as a land spirit, not a learning spirit. You understand? That means we are supposed to be relating with God with a pretext or with a pignosis, with the advanced and complete knowledge of what he is up to and what he is thinking before it takes place. We're not supposed to be sitting with God and say, ah, okay, what's next, God? No, we're supposed to be with God with the knowledge of what is next. Why? Because when we receive the unction from on high, we got the grace to know all things. Are we together? And somebody can say, well, but I don't know all things. I don't think I don't know all things. I don't feel I don't know all things. It is because you have never understood that for a man to sail in that fullness of knowledge, he must attach himself with faith. Sometimes with a child of God, it is not that God does not speak. It is more that the child does not believe and trust what is spoken. That is why many times you had feelings about things and then they come to pass and they're like, I had a feeling. Yes, you did. You, you had not trusted God enough to know 
or believe what he was saying because the Bible says there are, it may be many voices in this world, but there's none without signification. And he says, but if I know not the meaning of the voice, he says, I become barbaric and he that speaketh to me becomes barbarian. Now there's a point where because we have been filled with many voices in the world, the voice of God in there is to hid from us. But as situations and events unravel and unwrap before us, our eyes start to open and say, ah, Okay, this is why. Ah, okay, this is why. For everybody who is born again, you can't tell me something happened and you didn't feel it. You felt it. You just didn't know that it was the feeling. Why? Because the wicked, the Bible says, are the only one which fall in ditches. The Bible says the righteous man for us sees evil afar and he hideth. Now you realize that the place of foreseeing evil and hiding is more of what makes you the prudent man. You understand? And that prudence is because of the perfection that you have earned as a new creation in Christ. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because you are perfected in him. The Bible says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That completion presents in your spirit a kind of prudence that foreseeth evil and hideth. You're not supposed to just fall into issues. No. If I let it, it's because I saw it and it was good for it to happen. Praise God. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. So, let's go a bit deeper here. So, because of this advanced knowledge, God expects that we carry a certain understanding when he says certain things. He doesn't need to make 20 statements to explain to you what he's saying. He knows that the unction within you shall teach you all things. The Bible says, and remind you that which you have forgotten. When God says, I have blessed you, the unction in you teaches you about the blessing. You understand? And that's why the Bible says that the scriptures for us saying that God will justify the Gentiles through faith. He went therefore and preached this gospel to Abraham saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. When he made that statement, the spirit of God settled in Abraham and explained the New Testament. And when he did, Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. When God told him, in you shall all nations be blessed. In a twinkling of an eye, he was taken to 2016. And he saw Fanero. And the Bible says, and he started to what? <laughs> to dance. Somebody say amen. It's scripture. So, when they insist that we want a king, God says, okay, even in your permissible will, I want you to do it right. You see, and that's the thing about God. Let me tell you. If God tells you to do something and you refuse, and then you tell him, me, I want this, and he says it's impermissible. It's not perfect, but it's permissible. He will still want you to do permissible the right way. He'll still want you to do permissible the right way. Even if it's the wrong business, he still wants you to do it the right way. Not the evil business. <laughs> Let's get this right. Wrong does not necessarily mean evil. You understand? Some business are evil. I'm not saying that, ah, oh God, I want to sell drugs. Lead me. <laughs> now to sell drugs and get kids high quickly. And no, 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 I'm talking about that. I'm talking about you perhaps walking out of what you're supposed to be doing and doing something different. He still wants to give you certain rules on that wrong thing. But now God is gracious. God is gracious. There are people in this world who are doing the wrong things, but they're prospering. Because of God's grace. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. So that's how God thinks. And that is why if you go to 1 Samuel again, chapter 10, verses 25. 
He gathered the children of Israel and said, okay, if you want a king, God is going to give you a king. And indeed, a man is going to be anointed so. But when you do, give me the amplification of that. Then Samuel, the Bible says, told the people the manner of the kingdom, defining the position of the king, what? In relation to God and to the people, and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. Praise God. It means that when people insisted they want a king, that's why in Hosea, there's a scripture in Hosea that says, in anger, he gave them a king. They insisted and God became so angry and says, okay, you have a king. You understand? So this is God giving children of Israel a king in anger. He's not doing it in joy. He says, I gave thee a king in mine anger. He got annoyed. These guys had refused. They lost trust in who God was and said, you know what, God, you can't fix it the way we want it. Give us a man to do it. And out of anger, he gave them a king. But even in that anger, he still loves them and wants them to do it right. Imagine rejecting God and he still wants you to do it right, even in your rejection. Are we together? In the wrong thing. So, let's go back to Samuel. So Samuel gathers them. He shows them the manner of the kingdom. He says, okay, God is saying, okay, good. If you have refused to listen to me, that is okay. I still have a few thoughts on how I want this kingdom thing to run, regardless of whether you don't love me or not. This is the manner. This is how I expect the king to relate to me. You see, the reason why I'm starting from there is I want to show you the difference between the kings of the world and the king that is made of God. Because there are many scriptures that are for the kings of the world and you think that they are yours. You understand? And I'm going to explain that a bit later. There are certain things that are for the kings of the world and you think that they are yours. Hallelujah. So, he gave them the manner. That's why, for some of you who have read the Bible, you realize that there were rules. For example, Ahab could not just hang Naboth or take away his vineyard by force. He put him through a certain kind of trial. Because they're not just supposed to just hang. You understand? So there were also principles that used to rule kings. And any man which walked out of the will of God, if he stayed a king, then something was supposed to happen to him. Because the Bible says the heart of a king is in the hand of God. You understand? He directs it. That's why, if you recall very well, when David was going to harm Saul, he told his people that far be it from it that I should touch the Lord's anointed. And there's a part of our scripture that says, for it is not my part to what? To harm the anointed one of God. Besides, he says, either the Lord shall take him away or he shall kill him or he shall deal with him. But it's not your part, the Bible says, to touch even that which was by the choice of Israel and God appreciated and accepted beyond his will. I don't know if I'm making sense. There's a portion of scripture where David says that if anything, if God should kill him, let him kill him on his own accord. Let God deal with him on his own accord. Because he says there's no way you can touch the anointed one of God and walk free. But you see, this is what I felt to understand for so long with God. How he anointed what the children of Israel wanted, yet he didn't want it. I'm not interested in kingship. I want to be your king. You refuse me. And then you say, me, I want my own king. And I say, okay, either way, there is no place of leadership where there is no anointing. I will anoint what I'm not interested in, but let me anoint it anyway. 
I don't know that you understand what I'm saying. That is why I ask people, if David could not touch a man anointed of God, and God anointed that man out of anger because he was the wrong thing for Israel, how much more those who are anointed <laughs> by God's choice? Can I say it again? Samuel anointed Saul. Saul was not God's choice. God did not want kingship. But even when they say we want a king, he says, okay, even in your mistakes, a man can't lead you without an anointing. There is no leader without an anointing. It's impossible. There is no leadership without an anointing. Even the leadership of this world that you see so secular, it has a degree of an anointing. Are we together? So God gets that man and anoints him. Even though it's not his choice to anoint that man because he doesn't want that man to take his place as God, he wanted to be king, but they want a king of their own. And David comes to touch that man, and God tells him, don't touch him. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can stretch forth his hand and be guiltless? And David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite who? Him, the king, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend in battle and perish, but we don't touch. Meaning that even that which God consecrated for men, which was not his choice, he still held that man's life in his hand, not for the judgment of men. He can't anoint and let you judge it. He is not interested in you judging what he has anointed. That's why you should avoid judging each other. Because some of you think it's only men of God. No. Even your fellow Christian is anointed. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. So, the kingship starts that way. And so he has to show them the manner of the kingdom. So, they transition through different... And then when you see the process of kingship, you realize part of it, like the way God switches the anointing from Saul to David, it's not inherited. Then David gets to his boy. We think that the firstborn is supposed to take it on, he gets another one. You understand? So you realize even the way they were inheriting, they did not have a particular order, like many of the kingdoms of the world. So they became a kingdom in the kingdoms of the world. Here is the challenge. When they become a kingdom in the kingdoms of the world, they subject themselves to the principle of the kingdoms of the world. And that means that the devil has authority over them. Let me show you a scripture. Daniel, chapter 4, verse 17. I want to show you something. Let's read. This matter is by the decree of watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whosoever he will and setteth up over it the bestest of men. I want you to see this. Follow me. The devil said, bow to me because the kingdoms of the world have been put into my hand. Are you seeing? Now let me show you a different picture here. The kingdoms of the world are in the hands of the devil. But the Bible says, by the decree of watchers and by the word of the holy ones, the Bible says to the intent that the living may know, the most high, the Bible says, ruleth in the kingdom of men. There's a difference between the kingdoms of the world and the kingdom of men. Kingdoms of the world and the kingdom of men. In other words, the earth and the fullness is the Lord's. 
Are we together? The Lord owns the kingdom of men. The devil owns the kingdoms of the world. Are you hearing me? Now, the children of Israel had kings of men in the kingdoms of men. And God refuses to give them a king because he wanted to stay the king of the kingdom of men. While the ones of the world have kingdoms in the kingdoms of men. Such that he can get an opportunity to give the basest men the kingdom of the men. That they might be above as them which are in charge of the kingdom of the men. Which is above the kingdoms of men. They refuse that authority and then they go to the kingdoms of men. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is the judge and he's the owner of the whole universe. He says, I own the kingdom of men. That means I'm above all men. Nobody's above me. The devil goes below and creates kingdoms of men. Kingdoms of men. When God looks at all of them, he sees the kingdom of men. He owns it. So he says, look, of all the hundreds of kingdoms of the earth, which are all under the devil, are you hearing me? This particular tribe, I don't want to put it under the classifications of kingdoms. I don't want it to be Israel among those, among these, among these, among that. No, no, no. I want them to have one ultimate king, which is the king of the kingdom of men. Then for them, they don't want to be that because they don't even understand who he is. So they opt to carry a certain order of the kingdoms of men. Why? Because those kingdoms also have a power. They also have a glory. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So God becomes annoyed. Why is he annoyed? Because the lions want grass instead of meat. It's not in their nature to eat grass. But the lions want grass. The lions want grass. So he thinks and says, look, let me let them to their folly. So you realize by the time Solomon dies, two kingdoms are broken off. Then before you know that, four or five generations down the road, the kingdoms are dead. Okay, now they go back to the order of theocracy. We all believe in God. But they're all scattered. And by the time they're all scattered, they're all under different kingdoms. They are so taken up in the kingdoms of the world that their identity is too consumed. Even the reality of bondage. That when it comes to them and tells them you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. They say, hey, hey, wait, we are children of Abraham. When were we in bondage? They don't even know they are in bondage anymore. They don't even know. Are you hearing me? So, during that whole time, regardless of what he was doing on the earth, he was planning one thing. To build his kingdom. To build his kingdom. To build his kingdom. To build his kingdom. That was what is in his heart. To build his kingdom. Every man that he sent forth before. All of these elements and artifacts were all representing his kingdom. Because you see, the kingdoms of this world are only around one thing. Territory. And consequently, that territory determines glory and determines the power. The kingdom of God is beyond territory. It even has effect on the elements. It has effect on the elements. The devil did all his business in the world and wasted. And the sons of men died and lived normal lives. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, it gave them power and authority and dominion. And the Bible says that they come short in nothing, that they might want nothing that they desire. But they received not the power. The Bible says, God giveth him not the power to eat thereof. And what happened? Strangers came and ate those things. And God said that was vanity and an evil disease. 
It was better. The next verse says in verse 3 of the same chapter, same verse. If a man beget a hundred children and live many years so that the days of his life be many and his soul be not filled with good and also that he may have no burial, I say that that an untimely birth is better than he. In other words, an untimely birth is better than a man who spends all his life and cannot live his full potential. Because to God it's important that you live your full potential then you live long. Jesus did three years and he was out. Are you hearing me? Today, the spirit of the world is convincing men to survive on earth. They're just surviving on earth. They are survivors. They are survivors. They're not going anywhere. They are survivors. God has not called us to survive. Tell your neighbor, God has not called us to survive. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. Now, God started his plan and started to wire the man who should bring the kingdom. Who? Jesus. And then a certain guy was born. And then he went in the wilderness. And he ate honey, the Bible says. And what? Locusts. And he was good. And the Bible says, he opened his mouth one day and says, Repent! The kingdom of God is at hand. The devil says, who is that? Because the devil was like in a slumber until he had that statement that the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, what? Because you see, the kingdom of God does not mingle with the kingdoms of the world. No, it simply tells the kingdoms of the world that when we come, we have influence and we swallow you up. How together? That was the day hell was set on fire and loose. The Bible says from the days of John the Baptist. From that day, the moment the guy says, repent ye for the kingdom of God is at hand. That world war began from hell. Why? Because the devil knew exactly, beginning from verses 11. He says, verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there has not risen a greater than John the Baptist among women, notwithstanding that he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Now, I wish you understand what we mean here because later I'm going to start defining what this kingdom is. Eh? But let me first give you an example. There's a portion of scripture in the Bible that talks of John the Baptist as a bright and what? Shining light. He was burning. Literally, he was bright and burning. John the Baptist was not just a normal fellow. No. What was coming out of him came with a certain light and power. Are you hearing me? The guy who is simply saying that repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That guy came as a light. He was burning and shining so bright. That was in the spirit, not physically, but spiritually. And then he says, none among women is greater than that guy. Because he mentioned the statement, the kingdom is at hand. He literally opened the knowledge of that kingdom coming. Are you with me? But he says, but even the least this side is greater than John the Baptist. Are we together? So the next verse says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. What was the essence of the violence? There was no way the devil could stand to see the kingdom of God. Why? Because he knows the consequence of that. And then God starts to define this kingdom. 
in the simplicity of the gospel. I'll give you an example. He says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That means to belong in that kingdom, you can't go there with flesh and blood. So, if the testimony of flesh and blood is destroyed literally when you enter that kingdom, how can you die there? No, no, answer me. How can you die there? When the testimony of flesh and blood has been what? How can you die there? So the beginning of a man to know whether he's in this kingdom or not is that man must be fully represented without flesh and blood. That's the beginning. If you can't function without flesh and blood, you're not there yet. Are you hearing me? You see, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you think I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ of God. Do you remember? He says, flesh and blood revealed this not unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. That means that flesh has a degree of revelation. Blood has a degree of revelation. Likewise, the kingdom has a degree of revelation. In fact, the word that translated for kingdom is realm. Realm of rule and influence. It's a realm of rule and influence. The godly realm. The realm where God operates. He says, now, this is to the sons of God. It cannot be given to everyone. Oh, any person, whether they are a devil worshiper, who has the ability to move in a certain world without flesh or blood, is there illegally. Is there illegally. One time I was in my bed and some people were sending certain things to me. And then, you know those experiences where you're there and then you just hear the dog eating. It's a boo, 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 boo. Then you say, eh. Then another day, one time I was sleeping. I had something moving on the roof. I said, what is happening? So one of those days, I was in a certain place. And while I was starting to rest like this, like in a vision, I saw a certain guy. He came in the spirit. And I could see that this guy was like a devil worshiper. He had left his body moving. And he had come to me. I told the guy, if you ever come back again, I'll make sure you don't enter your body again. He never came back. Oh, I saw a man at night. You saw a man at night. A certain thing came to me. Listen, if it's a person, they are illegal. They are illegal in that world. I say they are illegal in that world. Hey, this is my world. The world where flesh and blood can't access. But brother, I have access. I told him, if you ever pull that move on me again, I'll make sure. You don't get back into your body. Why? I was going to tie the other side. Because whatever you bind, oh yeah, it's all bound on the earth. Whatever you loosen on the earth, you just lock the cadeau where he enters from, from his body. Then he reaches his body and he can't come back. Then the next morning they announce him in the obituary. It's illegal for them to function there. In any world of the spirit. But for us we have access. We have access. I said we have access. We have access. So you ask yourself a question. If flesh and blood cannot inherit, what on me inherits? The spirit man. Are you hearing me? That means that that world is not physical. That is why this guy, Pilate, comes to Jesus and says, is it true that you're a king of the Jews? Jesus tells the man, look, if my kingdom was of this world, my disciples would be fighting with your men. Pilate didn't get it. If my kingdom was of this world, my men, our disciples, you will be what? 
fighting with your people. The reason why our people can't fight, it's an understatement. It insults any intelligence of a spiritual person to see you contend in the world and kingdoms of men. Are we together? So, Jesus says, ah, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom is of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from thence. It's not from here. And my own can't fight for this. This is too small. That's what he's trying to say. And then you start fighting each other and then you poke each other's ears and then you talk about him and then you backbite your boss and then you go and then you write a certain letter to blackmail. Come on. Come on. I mean, look at how this man walked on the face of the earth. You want taxes. It tells you go in the mouth of a fish. Eh? When you go to the first fish you'll catch, you'll get taxes both for you and for me. Singa yesu teyalaga ko Peter. Peter teyandi mungobele daringa anzi. Let me say it in English now. If God hadn't showed Peter something, Peter would not have followed him. He's like me. I mean, this man was fishing the whole night and the Bible says he caught nothing. And Jesus asked him, did you catch anything? He said, no. Go and cast your net on the right side. And the guy threw his net on the right side. And the Bible says, and he filled the boat so full of fish, they almost drowned and says, no, this is the guy. Even if it is me, I put down my net and follow the guy. How can I get in one minute what I couldn't get the whole night? Am I mad to stay on the sea? That's why everyone should be a preacher. Do business and preach. Be a doctor and preach. Be an ambassador and preach. Be an engineer and preach. Be everything you want to be. But brother, preach. Fishers of men. And because your kingdom is not of this world, don't look like the people of this world. Some of you wake up and then you catch nothing. And then you go back home with sad faces. I caught, oh. Do you know that the right hand represents grace? So he says, you cast the net on the right hand, on the right side. <laughs> it means don't do it the legal way. Evoke the ministry of grace. Evoke the ministry of grace. Didn't he say there are houses you never built? Evoke the ministry of grace. Didn't he say there are vineyards you never planted? Let me tell you, and I say it to the sound of my voice, you're not going to work for everything you receive. Someone will ask you, why do you say so? Because we cast on the right, baby. We're not casting on the left. No, we are in grace. I decree and declare, right now there is a man working so hard for somebody in this room. There is a man dreaming so big for somebody in this room. And then you can tell me, that's not fair. Yes, sir, it's not fair in your world, but it is fair in my world. If you want to also believe, who refused you? Even you believe God is fair. He says, for as many, higher, for as many as believed. He says he gave them the rights to become. I feel sorry for some people. They are sleeping 
and waking up they are eating the bread of sorrow they are only sleeping two hours a day but apostle grace is sleeping let me tell you in the bank I was a hard worker but do you know why I was a hard worker I was a hard worker for the sake of the gospel not for the sake of becoming rich no it's a sin the Bible says, labor not to become rich. Don't ever do it. Rich men don't labor to be rich. Eh, eh, you didn't get it. Work hard, my son. We have to be rich. Hey, hey, hey. You work hard, it's up to you. The Bible says, for we know, not we pray, we know of the grace of our Lord Jesus. For though even though he was rich, he made himself for your sakes poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Me, I used to work as a rich man. I give as a rich man. I believe as a rich man. I walk as a rich man. I don't think I'm going to be rich tomorrow. A hundred million is not going to make me richer. One billion shillings is not going to make me richer. Four million dollars is not going to make me richer. I won't change because I'm 50 million dollars rich. Why? I was richer before it came. That is why when you see Christians who change manners because they've gotten money, those are poor men. She used to talk to you before she bought a car. When she bought a car, she no longer talks to you. She used to be your friend when you are eating Katogo. When she goes to Serena, she has nothing to do with you. That is poor. We don't change. Tell your neighbor, we don't change. Drive your expensive car, but enter Chikumi Chikumi there also and eat food and tell them, look, I got tired of being rich that I'm used to it. Please don't change. Please don't change. You'll only show you're poor. Look at kids who are raised in very rich families. They love doing poor people's stuff. Then people with poor families and poor minds, they love doing rich people's stuff. People who don't have money for smartphones understand how to use them most. People with money for smartphones don't know how to use them. People who are poorest in the world know how to operate the best cars in the world. The rich ones who own those cars, they don't know some buttons on the... Start not to know. Intentionally. <laughs> hey 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 Do you really think you're going to work for everything. There's someone who says, but apostle, are you telling people not to work hard? Listen, I work harder than many of you. Harder than many of you. But I don't work for money. I work for the gospel. That day I was counseling a Christian. He says, apostle, I'm about to lose my only job. I told the Christian, come and I pray for you. And they thought I was going to pray for a new job. I said, Father, reveal to her her true profession. I don't think she understood it. The Bible says, for what is our profession? <laughs> the Bible says that our profession 
is Christ. He's our prophet. Primary. We are professionals. What do you mean by you professionals? Professionals of the kingdoms of this world? No. He says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Christ Jesus. So, somebody asks you, what is your profession? What is your profession? But I work with minister of works. You see that? My profession is Christ, but I work with ministry of finance. My profession is Christ, but I work with AAR. My profession is Christ, but I work with primarily He's the profession. When this enters your head, men stop being your pet standard and grade. You stop depending on monthly salary. Whether they have paid you or they have not paid you, you walk like one who is a Christ profession. Are you hearing me? I passed so highly in university and a woman called me and said, I want to give you a job. I asked her, how much are you paying me? She told me a hundred thousand. I told her I will work. I said I will work. Some of you, a hundred thousand, where can I take it? You don't understand what we are up to. Me, I was looking for access to preach. I was not looking for money. I knew my payments and I knew my boss very well. This woman was not my boss. Come on. Go wherever you are, even if they pay you 50,000. Enter that cup company, flip it up. Leave Jesus there and go on. The day he starts to pay you, you realize that he pays more than dollars, pounds, and euros. My brother, nobody pays like Jesus Christ. Study you. Everything for me is purpose. Whether they pay me right or they don't, am I preaching? All my six years, I was giving all my salary to the gospel. I told God, I will never wake up and think that this car bank is my boss. And I saw one time one of the banks I saw on one of the contracts, they say, all your days you shall be a servant. I went on it and counseled and said, I shall work with you. I preached Jesus there. My workmates got born again. We got a few healings in the ministry. I moved on to another place. So you're not working there to be paid peanuts. That is nothing. That is nothing. This man can give the kingdom of men to you. You're talking of that kind of man. He doesn't want to give you a job in the kingdoms of men. No. He said you'll be the heads and not the tail. Above and not beneath. Before you even get a university degree, he says you're the head and not the tail. Before you even make a master's degree, he says you're above and not beneath. Before you even write, he says you'll lend to nations and shall not borrow. That is the guy I'm serving. So stop thinking poor. Stop thinking poor. I've never begged in ministry. Because Jesus never begged. Simple. That's why I should not fall sick. Because he never fell sick. Some things are just simple. Don't complicate them. As he is, so are we in this world. You remember when he went to Luke 9? He said, 
He called his 12 disciples, gave them power and authority over devils and to cure what? Diseases. Next verse. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. You see, preach the kingdom and heal. Preach the kingdom, you'll heal. People who don't see healing, it's because they're not preaching kingdom. They're preaching kingdoms of men. There are many ministries that are kingdoms of men. There are men who have started ministries in this world, but they are not the kingdom of God. They've built their own kingdoms. Small kingdoms. They control them. Go do this. It's just politics. And the challenge with it is people realize it. That's the challenge. People later start to sense, mm, you know, mm, this is his kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm supposed to be feeling something. I'm supposed to be feeling something. When I'm in it, there has to be something. Righteousness imputed by faith. Not works. Then the works follow. Peace that passes all understanding. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Let me tell you, me, I discovered it is possible to be happy every day. It's possible. It's possible to rejoice every morning. It is possible. It is possible. Revelation 11, verses 15. He says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms, read, of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. Do you realize that's what God is waiting for in Matthew 24? And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached and the end shall come. The moment that gospel perambulates through all the nations, give me the amplified of that. He says, and the good news of the kingdom of the gospel will be preached through the whole world as a testimony to all nations and the end will come. The moment his kingdom comes and fills every place of the earth, God will set you away. Let's go home. That's really what's delaying God. Let me tell you something. If I look at everyone in this room, depending on your jobs, your status in the nation, your positions where you are in your schools, your positions where you are on the calendar of the nation, your places of influence wherever you are in the ministries you're working, the social sectors informal and formal. Let me tell you, there is a lot of influence in this room alone. A lot. You'd be surprised if all of us exploited our full potential. There is a lot of influence in this room. The challenge is many of us have refused to leave the kingdoms of the world. We think like the world. We act like the world. We respond like the world. We talk like the world. We walk like the world. We respond like the world. We believe like the world. We pray like the world. We do all these things like the world. But the day God starts to open our eyes, let me tell you, the Bible says that he got the nations of this world in Deuteronomy and he distributed the boundaries of these nations according to the number of the children of Israel. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. He says, when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, he separated the sons of Adam 
And he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. He got the sons of Adam, the fallen nature. He threw it in the world. He separated it from these ones. And the Bible says, and he fixed the borders of the people, the children of Adam, according to the number of the sons of God. That means that each one of us is supposed to lead a nation. But then you tell me, but there are 100 of this number of how many nations in the world? I don't know. Then you say, but we are billions of Christians. Yes, just because there's a place where we missed it. God can decide and then one nation like India, every woman in that nation produces 100 kids. And before you know that, all of us are catered for. With God! Things are possible. Now, let me go back to the words of the watchers, them which pray and the holy ones. He says that he is the God of the kingdom of men. And I've realized the reason why he refused to give them a king was that he wanted to be their king long enough to carry the character and the glory, the power and the anointing to make them kings over nations. That's why. He says, he wanted the children of Israel to be subject to him and wait for the kingdoms of the world to multiply enough while he's working inside them. That at one particular point, Gundi, Liberia, you, that, you, that. That's what he wanted. The children of Israel refused it. Listen. And then they became part of the kingdoms. And then Roman Empire took over. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to tell you. The church has not been delivered from that in many aspects of life. There are many things the child of God does not have a say. And that is what kills me a lot. Listen, you get to an immigration and you can't tell them you're going to preach. Because if you do, they will deport you. Those days must come to an end. I must be able to tell them I'm going to preach and there's nothing in this world they can do because even their immediate boss is born again. So I realized God does not want to give you a plot of land. Ho, ho. Speak of losing wars and winning battles. We are winning court battles of two acres of land. I'm going to report you to the court. You took my two acres of land. Then we fight the whole week because they took our two acres of land. Somebody stole my car. Listen, he says... Ask ye me of nations. He says, I shall give thee the heathen. He doesn't want to just give you land. No. He also wants to give you the people of that land. That a man knows that he belongs to you. Give me that five. He says, ask me and I will give you nations that you inheritance. The uttermost parts of the earth as your possession. You ask. Don't even pray. Ask. Don't fast. Ask, you just say, I want, I've understood what you mean. That is exactly what I want. But we are asking for cars. We are asking for jobs. God give me a job. You're asking for a job. When he can give you the heathen. The message Bible says, what do you want? What do you want? Imagine God coming to you and says, what do you want? Then you say, a car, what do you want? I want a house, what 
Do you want? Give me a plot of land. What do you want? Name it. Nations as a present. Continents as a price. He says, you can command all of them to dance for you. And then the next day he says, you throw them out of tomorrow's trials. I'm tired of America. I want another one. You're still asking for two shots. Father, my clothes are old. Oh. Listen, factories are in nations. Car plants are in nations. Literally, he got the kingdom of the sons of men, the Adams, then put them on one side. Then he got the children of Israel. And then he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. Border Kenya, that guy. Border this, that guy. Border that, that guy. But what if the world is, don't worry. There are vast places on us. Fly above in the sky, you'll see how many places in this world are not yet occupied. Creation literally groans for your manifestation. Just telling you, come take me quickly. I'm desperate for you to use me. I am yours. Take me quickly. When the church gets to this understanding, you will realize the responsibility we have towards this earth. The earth is going to become too small. It's going to become too small. He said, the least among them shall raise a thousand. A little one shall become a thousand. And a small one shall become a nation. What about a big one? Continent. Shall become shall become literally inside you something is about to come out something is about to come out Isaiah 32 verses 15 until the spirit be poured upon us from on high and the wilderness be a what uh -huh. and the fruitful field be counted to for a forest can you imagine when the Spirit is poured upon us, something starts to come out of us and starts to put fruit in the wilderness. Wherever men said, here you can't do business in Karamoja, that is where you make it. When they say, uh-uh, in Uganda you can't do anything, that is exactly where you make it. Let me tell you, this generation is about to do things where men say it's impossible. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Something will come out of your spirit and do something. And they say, no, in that place you can't do this. And you're going to do it for the first time. That is why the one thing that will move us as Fanero members, when you tell us we can't do it. You tell anyone here that you can't. For me, once somebody tells me, Apostle Grace, you can't do this. That scripture comes to my spirit. I say, this guy doesn't know who I am. I prove to you that they, even if I didn't plan to do it, I do it for you. Then I'd go do my other business. But I first make you see that I can do that too. Why? Because I can do all things by Christ. That's why some of you have failed to grow. You're still blaming the government. Oh, government. Oh, politicians. There is nothing the politicians have done and can do to make you and I poor. The prince of this world has nothing in me. Let us take responsibility. Fix your star. We are blaming men who didn't go to school. We are blaming men who don't have an anointing. When we are anointed, judge it. 
Judge it. Judge situations and change them. What do you think you need? Or what do you think it takes God to make you big? In seconds, you can become the richest man in the world. In seconds. There is a man on the face of this earth who is three times richer than uh, and your budget. And he has that money alone. One man. And your eyes are not opening. Right now, Facebook is the biggest nation on the face of the earth. If you count its followers, it's the biggest nation. How old is the guy? Now he's going in a billion followers. And Christians are still complaining. We don't want this. By the way. In fact, listen, not that we don't have a part in nation building, but there's a bigger part. We own the kingdom of men. Paul comes in Revelations and he says, we have now been made kings and priests unto the most high God. He said, okay, the Israelites didn't get it. You, you understand it. Now I put you in charge of this world. You're guardians and citizens of these nations. Now you're in charge. You're kings. So all the kingdoms of the world are supposed to pay homage to you because you serve the most high. Uh-huh. They walked out of line. And that is why I decree and declare upon your life. Strangers will serve you. The heathen will submit to you. Nations will respond to you. In the name of Jesus. You might be small. You might look insignificant now. But I decree and declare by reason of the word that has been shared out today. That understanding comes in your spirit. Revelation hits your soul. Within a few weeks. A few months. People are going to look at you. And not believe it. Can you speak in tongues now? Make it happen. Make it happen. Make it happen. Come on. This is you. Make it happen. Ask of nations. Don't ask for jobs. Ask of nations. I give you faith.
Jesus it's heavy it's heavy it's not for a district it's not for a city it is not for a church one building this is for a nation it's heavy it's heavy responsibilities of various nations thousands of people hundreds of people in your care because the watchers and the holy men have affirmed that God rules over the kingdom of men and he giveth it to the men who are most best and humble Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Receive it in Jesus' name. We will shine in every nation we go. We will be influenced in every place we shall be. Believe me, Uganda is in trouble because of us. We are going to flip it upside down every nook and cranny. We are going to preach Jesus until they all bow to Jesus. Listen, let me tell you something. No man at the sound of my voice will be no more. Ah, I swear upon God. Even ah, you can't tell your neighbor I'm big. Woman, I'm big. I'm bigger than you think. I'm bigger than you can imagine. 
greater is he which is in me than the devil in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell somebody nothing can stop me. Tell him nothing can stop me. God is on my side. God is on my side. And you've never given your life to Christ and you say today I want to enter the kingdom. Repeat these words after me. Say Lord Jesus I believe with my heart confess with my mouth that you are Lord that you died and rose again from today you're both Savior and Lord of my life. I embrace your kingdom. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest. <laughs>